that's the hard part for people to understand is that, no, it doesn't happen in our world, but it happens in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's hard to, for people to wrap their brains around that. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. Uh, The voice that you just heard was Jill. She serves as a nurse with Samaritan's Purse. And her quote said, This doesn't happen in our world, but it happens in the world. And she's referring to the lack of access to medical care and specifically for surgery in developing countries. And today we're going to talk about how, you know, here in the United States or in developed countries, you know, if we have a problem, we go to a doctor. Um, and we get our need taken care of. So if it's a broken bone, you might get it set, get a cast put on, and you will heal. But that doesn't happen around the world. In developing countries, there's a there's a lack of medical care and access for people. And many people aren't able to get the care they need, and their bones heal incorrectly, causing more pain and suffering in their life. And so today, we want to bring awareness, and we want to dive deeper into two of our Samaritan's Purse Christmas Catalog projects. Today, we're going to spotlight supporting our mission hospitals by introducing you to our subspecialty orthopedic team and also talk about our cleft lip program. And these sounds like two completely different projects, but they have a common end result, and that is to transform lives physically through surgery and medical care, but more importantly, spiritual, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to their, to their time of need. And so first, we're going to take you to the southern tip of Africa, to the country of Malawi, and that's where we support Nakoma Mission Hospital. And just recently, uh, Samaritan's Purse sent a team of surgeons and medical care through World Medical Mission Program. For an entire week, they trained and equipped the national staff, and they, they taught them how to perform surgeries and heal bone injuries. They performed 23 surgeries while they were there. And I heard from Cindy Albertson, who had the vision for this trip, and she helped work out the partnership and the arrangements for this trip. Nakoma in, in itself has not had orthopedic surgical capacity in over 10 years. So basically, they had no surgical services to meet any orthopedic needs, any trauma surgeries or anything like that. So anybody who had a motor vehicle accident, broke their leg or, or anything else, they were not able to meet that that need. Um, Basically, the focus of the program is to take surgical teams uh, for specialized surgery to our partner mission hospitals to build up their capacity to meet unmet surgical needs. Mm -hmm. So focusing on the 52 partner mission hospitals that World Medical Mission works with and then talking with them about what their needs are as far as surgeries that they are not able to do. Orthopedic is the biggest need globally because of motor vehicle accidents and things like that. So that is one of the the greatest needs across the world. By sending a surgical subspecialty team to the Mission Hospital, they're providing added capacity to treat patients. But additionally, they're teaching and training national staff how to perform these specialized orthopedic surgery. This creates a long-lasting, sustainable impact and allows the Mission Hospital to be a beacon of hope to hundreds of people that are in need of surgery. So especially in the context of Malawi and Nakoma Hospital and the lack of orthopedic surgical care within that entire country and even actually in that area, the region's uh, poorly supported in that area. So to be able to offer a service that enables men to you know, continue to farm, to provide for their families, 
for women to care for their children or to work in their shops or whatever. So in order to be able to provide that surgical service that reestablishes mobility, um, people being able to then just do the normal daily task that, you know, you, you need your arms and legs to do. Um, and you lose that when you're injured. And when bones don't heal properly, not only do you have, you know, now the, the inability to walk, per se, if your femur's broken, but now you've, you're deformed. Um, and that could lead to other chronic issues that affect other parts of your body, like, you know, hip, hip issues and things like that, because they're not able to walk properly. So to enable the hospital to provide a service like that, that has such a visible and very impacting results, just opens the door even broader for them to be able to be a witness in their community and in the area that they serve. It's not as simple as healing bones like we think of it. You know, to us, we think of breaking a bone, we'll go see a doctor, and we begin healing within a few days at the most. But for people in Malawi, it can take several months to even be seen. And there's only one true orthopedic surgeon in the entire country. And so if you're, if you're able to be seen at a district hospital, they only have capacity to put a cast on or wrap the injury. And here in Malawi, it's not only that they can't afford the surgery, but more so that they don't even have access or the opportunity. And this can drastically alter their life and children's lives if it's untreated. And a lot of the world where uh, people are sustenance farmers, I mean, they just, they don't have access to any of the things that we have access in, in Western countries or developed countries. They literally live minute to minute. So if they can't farm, then their family doesn't eat. Um, if they can't go to work, if they can't move around, if they can't walk the two miles to go get water, then they don't have water. So mobility, being able to use your arms and your legs and things like that, in those contexts, literally are life or death. Not only for the person, but for their family and for their extended family. Because they, you know, that is how they survive. And if they're not able to do that, then, you know, the family goes hungry, the kids don't go to school, and the cycle of poverty just continues to, to expand. One of the stories we heard was Henry. He's a metalsmith who uses his hands to, to work for a living. And when he came to the Mission Hospital in Malawi, there was a noticeable bulge on the right arm, and it looked extremely painful. And after talking to him, the team realized that he'd had his injury for over 18 months. The broken bone had healed improperly and made working with his hands impossible. Uh, he's much excited waiting for the operation so that once he gets healed, he can work again in the near future. Henry had a family with several kids who relied on him to eat and to go to school. And at the time, he had a relative that was able to help him pay for these school fees and, and help him pay his bills um, to help him get his feet on the ground. But after 18 months of not working, this money was running out. And his family needed him to get back to work in order to, to go to school and to eat. But in the midst of all these struggles and not knowing if he was going to be able to afford to keep his family floating, he was thankful to God. It's amazing to see how just one surgery can affect the lives of so many people. For Henry, he desperately wanted to provide for his kids. Without a way to go to school and earn um, earn an education, his children would end up in the same cycle of poverty. 
And our team actually had the chance to talk with another little girl who loved school so much. But she had a bone infection in her knee, and it, it was too painful to walk to school, so she wasn't able to attend. Her name is Shakira. She's only 11 years old. And when our team met us, she was sitting in the corner of a pediatric ward with her dad. She was dressed in a gown, ready for surgery. The family didn't have a car or a motorbike or any other way to get her to school. Walking was the only option. And she tried for many months, but it would come home just in tears because the pain was unbearable. And so she hadn't been to school for almost a year. She complains about the pain uh, when, uh, when she has just walked from school to home. So she's always in pain. Like, I'm not feeling good, I'm not feeling good. Yeah, like that. Sure. But not, 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 not always, but not, not every time. But when she has taken a walk to school, or maybe from school to home, or from home to school, that's when she complains about the pain. They realized that if Shakira didn't have the surgery, there was no way that she'd be able to get an education and she would live in poverty. She would be homebound. He said that he has been hoping that God will provide a solution, personal solution, that is. So the hope has been there, the faith has been there, that one day God is going to provide. This wasn't just a surgery to relieve her pain. It certainly was, but it was more than that. It was transforming her way of life and allowing her to go back to school. As I mentioned earlier, in developed countries, injuries are inconvenient. They slow us down for a little bit, but we usually get back to work right away. But in countries that are developing, they're life-altering. And it's hard to imagine, you know, because here in the U.S., I would take my kids to the ER, be seen by an orthopedic surgeon. I could even have a second opinion and go to another surgeon if I wanted to. But they would be taken care of right away. But in many countries, and especially in Malawi, with only one orthopedic surgeon, this isn't the case. You know, the stories just make me think of the quote that Jill made earlier in the episode. This doesn't happen in our world, but it happens in the world. But because of these surgeries, both Henry and Shakira were radically changed. Next, we want to take you to South Sudan, where our teams performed 120 cleft lip surgeries in one week. And although it's completely different surgery in a completely different context, the transformation of these people's lives are just as radical. So I want to introduce you to Beth Thompson, who has overseen this project since the beginning in 2011. She has such a heart for these people that have endured such difficulty. What is their life like? Are they outcasts? Are they able to work? What is their life like? Prior to surgery. Uh, yeah, I think that's a huge thing. For one, they've endured a life of ridicule. Um, and that is just because they've gone through so much. Um, uh, a lot of times they're not allowed to be in school or the ridicule is too much that they wouldn't want to be in school. They're outcasts from their family. Um, it's not uncommon for um, you know the kids to have one parent that's abandoned them. Sometimes it's a mom, sometimes it's a dad. Um, but the teasing and the shame that's associated with it is... Um, it's the same all, all around the world, actually. It's not just in South Sudan. It's in all these other countries. That it's very similar stories. And so it does uh, represent economic hardship. If you're not allowed to go to school or you're not you know, passed over for the job because of how you look, people are afraid of you. Um, the stigma attached with it, the... Um, just a, a lot of belief and and you know you were this was caused by witchcraft 
-hmm. you did something wrong to deserve this. That's a very common held belief uh, in South Sudan and other locations as well. And so um, I feel like to be able to to offer surgery, to offer mm -hmm. uh, that represents hope. And uh, that 65-year-old that came so long said, you know, I, he saw all the kids that were there. So that's another really neat experience is to be able to see all these patients together because actually they don't, a lot of times they don't know other people in their village. That's, they're the only one mm -hmm. that they've seen like that. And mm -hmm. so to come together and see a whole group of, you know, patients with the same sort of um, deformity, they know they're not alone mm -hmm. and there's other people. And uh, anyways, that 65-year-old said, well, I'm just, you know, so glad that these kids get surgery because they won't have to live like I've lived my whole life. Mm -hmm. Every year, Samaritan's Purse mobilizes teams to search out patients in need of cleft lip surgery. The teams find patients who have lost hope in some of the most remote villages of Africa. And then our teams coordinate the logistics for each man, woman, child in need to be flown from their distant villages to Juba, South Sudan, to receive surgery from our teams, all without cost to them. Originally, we thought, well, we'll recruit around Juba area, and we still do that. Um, but over the years, the program has grown to uh, include um, a lot of people that live very rurally. And so, um, you know, this time uh, we had, I think it was 21 different locations um, that we mobilized by air. And so that, to me, represents uh, really truly being able to access the least um, of these, the most underserved, uh, the ones that have the least access to care. Mm -hmm. um, in Juba, you might be able to go to a hospital. A lot of these areas don't have hospitals. They don't have, you know, they live in the bush, in the rural areas. Mm -hmm. You know, if you really think of uh, the hope that they must feel mm -hmm. um, to be able to overcome those fears, I think, mm -hmm. yeah, certainly there's a lot of fears. I think our, our pilots actually have a lot, a lot of good stories because, you know, they have to show them how to use a seatbelt on a plane, mm -hmm. and that's a you know, very unique experience for mm -hmm. for some of them to get, to be up in the air, to be flying, and then to go to even a city like Juba, that's mm -hmm. completely, they've never been there before. Um, and so um, I think the whole experience is fa fairly overwhelming. But yeah, I think they want they want the help so bad that they're over to, um, able to overcome it. And I think they're just so strong. Like I think the uh, patients and their families are just so strong that they would be willing to trust you. Yeah, they would be willing to hand over their baby to you mm -hmm. and to say, you know, fix it. I trust you. Mm -hmm. um, help us. Um, it's a it's a humbling position to be in. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, that's a that someone would trust you that much that they would come that far. Some of them walk for days. You know, we had a, a gentleman this trip. He came. He was sixty five years old, so also representing not a lot of access mm -hmm. <laughs> to surgery. And he had heard about it, and his uh, area where he lived was flooded, so there was no way to come by. You couldn't even drive your vehicle to get to the airstrip. So he walked eight days. He took a boat for six hours by himself to get to the airstrip where Samaritan's Purse landed our planes to be able to take him to Juba. So <laughs> he, uh, you know, it's just incredible, the stories mm -hmm. you hear of how far, I can't imagine walking eight days and then getting on a boat and then flying on a plane. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a humbling thing. It's a humbling responsibility, I feel mm -hmm. like, when you bring patients from that far. Um, but it's also really neat to see maybe some of the areas that are, are least accessed we're able to reach.
Approximately 5 billion people do not have access to safe, affordable surgical care. This number is overwhelming, and it breaks my heart that so many people around the world live without access. God knows and sees each patient, and Samaritan's Purse has the privilege of sharing the gospel as they help people with their physical needs. Each patient feels loved, pursued, and rescued, which is what Jesus Christ did for us by dying on the cross. And many of these patients often ask, why would you come all this way to find me and to help me? And it makes me think of Matthew 18, where Jesus shares the parable of the lost sheep. 12 through 14 says, what do you think? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go and search for the stray? If he finds it, truly, I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than the 99 that did not go astray. In the same way, it is not the will of the Father in the heaven that one of these little ones perish. It's easy to focus on the 5 billion number, but our teams make sure that each individual patient feels seen and known and loved and pursued and is given the utmost care. Um, the patient that probably sticks out the most to me on a personal level was I was in the um, PACU, so right after they come out of surgery. And again, this was an older woman. She was, again, around 65. And so um, she had just, she, she would not put down the mirror. So when they come back after surgery, we give them a mirror to look at their face after surgery. And... Um, she, so it's a fairly good-sized mirror, and she would lay in her bed, and she would just look at that mirror, and, like, she didn't put it down. And I thought that was really interesting, because most you know, you take a look, and then you set it down, or, they're, you know, they're sore after surgery, and she just, she would lay down, and she would just hold the mirror, just hold it from, you know, on and on and on. <laughs> So the, the life is, is going out to be different because uh, me actually having the new life and people who have actually been talking, talking to me and telling me some bad things and was a kind of abusing, I think I'm going to return, <laughs> I'm going to return back and, and go against because there's nothing that they are going to tell me bad or they are, not, they are going to abuse me, insult me again of my, my life because I am like them and, and everything seem to be okay now. So that happiness is going to be, and I'm going to return. <laughs> Every time you look at her, even when she went back, she'd be looking at herself in the mirror. And it was just, it was really sweet because you knew that, like, she just couldn't get over, like, is this really me? Like, I look so different. And they, some of them really look different after the procedure, even though they're still kind of swollen and they'll look even better in a couple months. Um, but the transformation is, is so immediate that it's it's uh, fun to personally watch that, and then it's really fun to, when a patient like that, um, just she just can't get over it, you know? And uh, she was excited. I think she had some grandkids that were afraid of her, you know, and she wanted to play with the grandkids. And so... Um, so she was excited to be able to, to go back and just tough. Mm. Mm. So the, that now the grandmother is okay. They will see the, the face, the face and the lips is now okay. It's not like the other one. They will even go and and get me uh, in the airstrip and they will be happy and I will be holding them. So they will not be fearing me anymore. Some of these people are just, I mean, they're so tough to just survive there, right? Like, um, even just given the conflict and what they've been through, a lot of them refugees and just so much uh, trauma in their life, quite so frankly. Um, 
so this sometimes just seems like just a drop in the bucket to what they've what they've already been through just in their life, but then to have to deal with this on top of it, you do something small like this for them, and um, you hope that it just helps helps them live better. I just want to pause here um, and just recognize that no one is too far off. I think of the man that walked eight days to get surgery and was on a boat for six hours to get on a Samaritan's Purse plane to get cleft lip surgery. He was willing to go miles because he knows the impact it will have on his life. Samaritan's Purse, we love and cherish all life. And he, this man had already lived many years. But of course, he is just as valuable as the babies and the little ones that we take care of. God isn't done with his life. He has loved, he has seen, and every life is valuable from young to old. I think um, in notating how far that we go to get these patients, I think that does speak volumes to them. In fact, um, they've said as much. Hmm. They've said, you know, if you... You came all the way. You sent a plane to get me. It's not like they're easy to access. And so I think that piece alone um, shows them that they're not forgotten. They're not—they're cared about. And it gives you an opening, gives our chaplains an opening to share with them that God has not forgotten them, um, that He knows them, and He cares about them, and He sent us to them to help them, and He sees their plight. Mm-hmm. And— um, so that that is a huge uh, piece. I think that the Lord uses those uh, things just that someone cares and would mm-hmm. care that much to go and find them. And uh, you know, a lot of these patients are named. Their names mean deformed. So the root word of their name is deformed um, one. Um, and so we see a, a common name among these patients. Not all all patients, but um, certainly a good portion of them. Um, their name means. Uh, deformed. And um, so our chaplains work with them, and and a lot of times they'll say, you know, God is giving you a new name. Mm-hmm. You are named this. This is your identity, but you have a new identity in Christ. You get a new identity. And so it gives us opportunities. You know, we're with them a short time. Uh, maybe we get to plant the seed mm-hmm. uh, in them. I'm certainly not saying all of them, you know, come to know Christ, but I hope that it will be um, a part of their journey. I hope that the Lord will use that and uh, that we'll get to plant seeds of hope in them, that they'll get to see us as uh, they know we're a Christian organization. They know we love Jesus at what we do. Um, we, we do because um, we feel called by the Lord to do it and that He has not forgotten them. And so, uh, yeah, we want to plant seeds. We want to um, share with them. And, um, And I think it does impact them. Oftentimes, our chaplains in the area will follow up with patients. They'll help them get connected to a local church and continue to have meaningful conversations with them about their life in Christ. And although these these teams only play a small role in the journey, they trust that the Lord is going to use these experiences to plant a seed. Yeah, well, that that has actually the the verse that I felt like God gave me when we went to South Sudan this year that I shared with the team was uh, Psalm forty six eight, and it said, "Come and see, come and see what the Lord has done." And I just I feel completely humbled um, because uh, it truly is is come and see what the Lord has done. Is not what what our team has done or what Samaritan's Purse has done. It's really mm-hmm. how the Lord has just like taken like maybe a willingness to explore it, mm-hmm. and just he's provided. In both the orthopedic surgeries in Malawi and the cleft lip surgeries in South Sudan, they're both simple procedures, but they have such dramatic results. 
And it's so exciting to hear the testimonies of these, these patients that um, come for physical healing, but they hear about Jesus Christ and they are spiritually renewed. Um, diving into these two projects made me realize just how powerful and deep each of the projects and the gift, the Christmas catalog are. And so if you want to know more about the Christmas catalog, I encourage you to go to SamaritansPurse.org. It truly is a great way to give a unique yet eternal gift to someone you love this Christmas. So you can pick a gift that specifically maybe uh, means a lot to you or means a lot about to the person that you're going to give it in honor of and tell them about it this Christmas. You can print out a card and tell them what you did, and it's a way to make an eternal impact. And as you can see, it is making a ripple effect in the community of the people that are impacted. And so I encourage you to go check it out. And we're also working on another episode. We're going to dive into more of the Christmas catalog gifts to be able to show you exactly what they're doing. Thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for your partnership and allowing Samaritan's Purse to go to the ends of the earth to tell people the good news, the reason that we're celebrating Christmas, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're able to tell about how God loved them so much that He sent His one and only Son to this earth to die and to take our place so that we could live with Him forever um, and have eternal life. So thank you for joining us. God bless you. 